0: hello and welcome back to the thrilling finish of our conversation talking about apocalypse now in hearts of darkness when you last left us i believe i was asking ian about why chef got out of the boat to get mangoes let's jump right back there but I I just don't understand, I mean, why? Why are they going to get mangoes? Why are they, why, why,
1: why why is that a scene in the movie? Well, it's an extension of a scene in Redux. I guess this is the first point where I, get to, I can talk about the differences. Between sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So after Ride of the Valkyries... And you know, storming the village so that they can surf these six foot peaks and they can let the PBR street gang down into the mouth of the Nung River. And, yeah, um, there's a sequence that follows afterwards, which before they leave, they, they steal, steal the surfboards, they steal Kurtz's his surfboard, Not, and, um, uh, Kilgore's excuse me, yes, they steal Kilgore's uh surfboard, and uh, it cuts to later in the evening. And uh, Kilgore has got several helicopters out there blasting. A great mess It's so. It's it's such a. You know how dark this movie is gonna get. I think from even if you haven't seen it, you know its reputation. You know how fucked up things are gonna get. That they're gonna get so much worse before they get better, and you can question <laughs> whether they get, do they even say, get better. Yeah. Um. He he's got this broadcast. He's like uh, just bring back the surfboard, Lance. You know how hard it is to find a board you like. It's a good board, and I like it. And just blasting that on repeat, it's a nice little moment of levity before we get back into the shits. Okay, and, yeah, wh- yeah. and one of the reasons why I'm going to advocate for Redux being better than theatrical is it it, it breaks up. There, there are so many scenes that are not in the theatrical that are in Redux that break up the monotony of just going up the river and break up the extreme moments of violence and give you those little things to just take the air out of the balloon just a little bit. And that, and that's one of them. And I think that's a, it's, it's in the final cut, thankfully, but sure. missing in theatrical. One of the, the reasons, as I said, that theatrical kind of pales in comparison to the other two versions is that scene specifically.
0: Well, I can't, I can't, obviously can't speak to the, the final cut, but I mean, and I remember watching the, uh, Watching the theatrical week week ago, week and a half ago, whatever, and uh, and remembering and getting to the the point was like, oh yeah, we don't get to see the surfboard stolen and and, and, and did, all that. Did you miss it? I mean, I I missed it to the point where I thought it was a, f- a fun moment. And you're right, it is a bit of, of levity before you know it just gets more and more dark. Um, but I wasn't like, you know, oh shoot, I don't get to see it. I just I just remember that yeah. that that happened and I didn't get to see it again.
1: Do you want to so continue like, down the path of? Com- comparing versions or do you want to circle back to it later oh so we can we totally can so the other one uh that's missing is after the uso show and the they he chops up some scenes a little bit in the final cut so when we first get onto the boat in theatrical uh there's the moment where you see lance uh sort of water skiing on the back. And it's this moment to kind of set up these guys and kind of how loose they are. Clean yeah. is listening to Can't Get No Satisfaction on yes. the radio. Yeah. And Chef is there reading his book. And Willard is breaking into his dossier. And, and we get a lot more great voiceover. And it's a moment of just kind of establishing who these people are and what the mission is in the context of these men that actually have to, to go about doing it. Um, in the final cut, that comes actually after the USO show. And it's a oh. moment of them kind of more blowing off steam than it because they've been through the bullshit with Kilgore and then they went through the craziness of the USO yeah and it, it's it's interesting I don't I don't hate its new position I think it's there's a very good reason for moving it as I said to, to blow off steam I don't think yeah maybe maybe some people will say oh well I, I miss that that establishes who they are sure. but I, th- I think it works it either so the scene that is in Redux, and not in either the theatrical or the final is the Fuel for Bunnies scene. Which I know, I know a lot of people have said that they think that scene is tone deaf. Which I can't completely agree with. I think the stuff with Clean, where, he's, where the, the young girl, the playmate of the year, looks up through the window and sees him and asks him who he is, and he says, oh, I'm next. I think that moment is a little tone deaf. But the reason I miss the Fuel for Bunny scene in Final Cut and in theatrical is this glimpse that we get into how these women are abused. She talks about, she breaks down. So the playmate of the year is with with Lance. And they're in some kind of like a mess hall. They're in one of these these tents. And um, she's talking about all the things that they've made her do. He's putting the, the camouflage paint on her. And I don't think he's being unsympathetic. I mean, you can interpret the scene any way you want. You don't see them. You don't see them fucking. But I'd like to think that Lance probably didn't. I I think he is very sympathetic in in listening to her. And the thing that breaks that scene is obviously the Lawrence fishmer bit after it. And there's that that wonderful moment where she knocks over a coffin, and this Vietnamese guy comes falling out of it, and she has that freak out, and, and he just holds her. Again, it's another moment that breaks up traveling but I, I think it's a I think it's a very important scene I don't I don't necessarily see it as being tone deaf and I do miss it in the theatrical it's another reason why redux gets another point over the rest of them for me I
0: I wish I could remember what movie we were talking about when I made this point but I f- I feel like the the fuel for bunnies and and the the French plantation scene is I think now this movie is trying to say more than it needs to and I get that, you know, hearing what these these women have gone through and that they've had to do a lot and and that, you know, they've, they've had some hardships and that and that, and, you know, this, the moment that they're in, a, you know, aside that, you know, they've had they've had troubling lives. And that's it's not unimportant, but it's not this movie. And I it it seems it, it, a lot of the movie seems unnecessary. and And I think that's i i don't i'm not to go you know step back and say that i I hate the fuel for bunny scene or i I hate the the French plantation scene it's it's more just it's it's a we just want to get to Kurtz and b what story are you trying to tell and 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 to me that goes back to the whole you know yeah we're we're referencing heart of darkness but yet we're also referencing sirens which has nothing to do with hearts of darkness and And, and and so when you mention you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a good scene, but did it belong in this movie? Maybe, you know, like, yeah, maybe the actors were compelling and, and the, the dialogue was engaging, but was it necessary for this movie? I, you know, and, and when I, when I take a step back and look at, I, I, I I don't, you know, I remember, I remember watching when I first watched the Redux, because this, this comes before French plantation. And I was like, what is this? Cause, cause I didn't, I was like, I clearly don't remember this from the theatrical cut. And I, and I was, I was just, I, I, I definitely, um, checked. Not like I wasn't like on my phone, but I kept clicking it to be like, what time is it? How much time is
1: like, is, what is this really what we're doing now? So I don't think it takes that long though, is the other thing. Unlike the French plantation, it, which, no, it's is, not, it's not, which it's, is about 15 to 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. of movie. Yeah. And See, then, and the then, bunnies, the bunnies, I don't mind at all. I but, under, but, I understand the argument that it's not necessary, to but I, film, but I don't mind it. Either. I also think that
0: bunnies in general, are. The, I think the U.S. I think the U.S.O. show. I. And unless we're just and again, that's we're just trying to establish that the 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 men over in Vietnam are starting to fucking lose it. In which case, I think we got that, and it just seems like they're, they're, that he's trying to cram in so many examples of, of how hard it was over there. And, and, and again, I know that's the point he's trying to make, so I'm not saying that, that that's irrelevant. But the U.S.O. show seems so unnecessary, and, and it, because when, like when you when you describe the plot of the movie at the very beginning, it's you know Willard gets an assignment, Kurtz has basically gone off script go up there terminate with extreme prejudice. And so in 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 one way the movie is brilliant because we've set up what we want what we're trying to do. We got to get to Kurtz. We want to get to Kurtz and see what the whole what what he's about. And then the way that we get a little bit as we go up and we get the narration and he's looking at everything and you know the, he 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 was in the what was it that um he tried to join he wanted to join the airborne at thirty eight yes. years old. And then the he finally what he did. And then that? he finally did Yeah. And and like I'm not in the military, so I'm like, is that too old? I don't know, but I'm in... and he certainly seems to think that it is. So okay, cool. So that's, that's the crazy ass thing, and let's and and you keep you know, I, I like to said like the fish hook keeps pulling me further and further, and I I want to get to Kurtz and and yet There are so many fucking distractions, and and obviously we need to have some,
1: or it'd be a very short movie, so I'm not saying... Yeah, it would just be another, oh, we're going up the river to kill this dude, and that's the movie. Yes. and I I like that it provides context for the rest of the conflict, and shows just how wrong us being there was. Yeah, I... Yeah,
0: I... mm, Yes. I mean, I I get that. I just, I guess, you know, at what point did... I mean, Francis... I think Francis Ford Coppola needed somebody to reel him in. Um, and to be like, okay, yes, you're, yep, cool. This is well. Good, that's that's the theatrical cut. That's him being reeled in. Sure, you're right. You're right. You're right. And and when I watch the theatrical cut, I, I I think it's a bit too long. Um, I, again, I I just I think the Playboy Bunny stuff, the U.S.O. show, I, I for me, it stops the movie. It's a weird moment that, like, getting derailed is one thing, but it felt like a hard stop. I didn't learn anything new. Nothing, and and, and if you don't. And if you're not watching the Redux, it doesn't lead to getting needing to
1: get the fuel later on. So it just seemed like I, I don't know what this is. And, and well, Lance of of the boys, Lance has the best character beat in that because it starts to show just how how far he's going as far as being disconnected is. Yeah. Is that, it? No. Wait. He takes the last the, the last hit of acid before he gets to the bridge. You're right, which okay. is okay. a little okay. bit after. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. if you don't have the fuel for bunnies in that character beat with Lance, you ju- the next time you see him after USO, he's just sitting on the edge of the boat and he's already put the camouflage on and he's already kind of like disconnected from them. Yeah. I, for, for me, it strengthens... The bunny scene strengthens his character and his going off the deep end and, and provides a little more context again for his, his disconnect. Sure, sure. Is my argument for, for keeping it in as well as the great perform. I didn't get the name of the, the woman that played the playmate of the year, but her performance fantastic in it the only thing that i would cut is the little bit at the end with with clean saying i'm next sure
0: and then again and i get that that hasn't aged well but i think that in terms of what you're talking about it does add to the depravity and the you know that we're clearly not thinking with any 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 morality or, or sense of, of decency that we would have in our normal lives you know and, and you know, and, we're in a different country, in a different place, in a time of war. You know, we we become different people, as essentially. And I and again, I I get that. Even in you know, not being a huge fan of the Redux, I I I get that too. What and maybe I just need to know more about French history, but the, it is it's the French plantation scene. Just and, and then trying to listen to Coppola describe what he was doing. That you know that that they're they're stuck in time and they're not. Yeah, the further up the river you go, the further back in
1: time you go. Which. I think it's a very necessary history lesson. I do think the scene, the whole sequence, is too long. I I'm not. I don't understand the mentality of certain filmmakers like Terry Gilliam or James Cameron or Francis Coppola, where it's like, okay, I can't have my way. This thing is running too long. I've got to get it down to X number of minutes, so I'm just going to lose sequences wholesale rather than trying to shape them and form them into something manageable, that will fit inside the length of a decent running time. I think th- this is the only where, place where Redux loses points for me is I like the French plantation scene. I like what it says about the history and providing context because I, I don't think a lot of people know why we were in Vietnam or even who was there before us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that we get, uh, again, another bit of a break before we lose another character because if you don't have at least something of the pl- French plantation scene, you go from clean dying to to Chief dying within minutes of each other. Yeah. Um, so we get to have the moment where they bury Clean and uh, Chief gives that beat up, torn to shit flag to Willard. I mean, that that is one of the best moments in the French plantation scene. I do feel that Coppola had a little bit of an axe to grind. And I think keeping the scene in there wholesale is really... To a degree, I, I wouldn't be surprised to know that there's some nepotism in there because we've already seen nepotism from Coppola when he cast Sophia in Godfather 3, yeah, you know, yeah. about a decade later. Uh, but Giancarlo and Roman are both in the scene, his sons. And knowing that Giancarlo died in 1986 in a boating accident, I can understand as a father wanting to keep it in because there it is. There's my son. He's in the movie. I I get that for, for better or worse, you know, but it it could be shorter. Yeah. It doesn't have to come out wholesale.
0: No, sure. Um, but you mentioned something too, and about kind of him being stubborn, but, and I, and I just, I literally just had this thought two of, I mean, years, years before this, you know, Godfather wins Best Picture.
1: Godfather Two wins Best Picture. He'd already won even before those. He'd won an Oscar for Patton for and screenplay. screenplay. On yeah, that. yeah.
0: But I, I guess my my thought is, the the Redux is what? Uh, it's three. It's just shy of like three hours and twenty. Yeah,
1: God, that's how long Godfather Two is. I guess I'm just I'm I'm, a, I'm curious. You're you I think where you're going with this is there's less fat on Godfather Part Two, even with similar running times. No, not necessarily. What I was going to say
0: is is you know, it's not like Francis Ford Coppola was unknown for putting out long movies. I guess I'm curious as to why either he felt or producers felt or production companies
1: felt like this was going to be too long and too I mean, he, well, it was self mostly self-financed yes. and so the budget wasn't there for promotional Materials and uh, promotional considerations in the same way, whereas you had Godfather one or two were backed by a major studio. Uh, sure, sure. I, I guess I
0: just I I mean, and, and the I don't know, not not having been around in that time and just thinking about it now. I mean, you know, he he makes Godfather two, which, you know, is I mean, the Godfather the first two are. I mean, they're they're I they are beyond iconic. You know, and I'm just a little I guess a little surprised that. That he didn't have enough clout or whatever to keep whatever length of a cut he wanted to. I mean, he had the track I mean, at that point. He had the track record. So I'm, I mean,
1: I get that it had been years in the making, but but he also had the public against him because of the way that the making of the film had been portrayed in the in the news. You had the fact that most of it was self-financed. I mean, he was in the film for about nineteen to twenty million dollars of his own money. Yeah, and so for me, putting out the theatrical was really about trying to recoup as much of the expenses as possible. I mean, the theatrical really is, I have to agree, it's got its balls cut off. It, it's there to appease running times. It's there to appease the masses, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think I'm not going to shit on the theatrical. I think there is something to be valued in all three versions, I, and I think there's something for everybody in all of them, and it's very telling of what... Not necessarily of what type type of films you like. I'm not saying that but just because somebody likes theatrical, that means, okay, they just don't like movies longer than two and a half hours. But I think there is there's a brevity to theatrical that some people can appreciate. I think there's a strangeness and a, an Alice in Wonderland-like wonder and quality to Redux. And then you have the people that, that, don't, that want something in between. I think he's done with now three versions. I think there is now something for everyone. At what point do you think and and I don't know if we've mentioned
0: this either in, in a podcast or just you know our own random conversations that we have about movies, but at what point do you just need to like step away like you know I think about this, I think about Blade Runner and some other some other films that that I think famously have multiple cuts for whatever reason i mean at, at what point does it does it stop being yours? And really just belong to the ether, you know, to, to, to the people who consume it. Cause that, that, that's something I thought about too, watching this one again. And, and, and you, you texting me, you know, like I, I'm gonna, I'm seeing the final cut. I'm so jazzed. And, and then watching the Redux again, like at what point do, does the director need to just step back and go, look, this is what, what got put out, you know? I mean, I, I guess. There are the cases like like this movie specifically where you know so much was left on the cutting room floor, and yet you know when when I think you, when you told me about the final cut coming out, I was so like oh okay, I mean we're gonna get this again, and 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 I agree that you're gonna of of course you're gonna get something different because we're adding things or subtracting things and we're and 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 it sounds like totally replacing where moments were in the movie, but it just seems like when, when are you going to let it go? And, and, and that, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about, about his fall from grace. It's like, I, you know, if he was still like a Scorsese or a Spielberg constantly working, making movies that people are seeing, I think that'd be one thing, but I think he's just, he's at a place now in his career where it's just, okay, well, um, remember when I made apocalypse now? Well, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to edit it again and put it out there. And, and I, I'm not saying that's why you did I it. I don't but see
1: it as a senseless
0: cash grab, and in the interviews that I've no, seen no. with him, I have not And I don't think it's a cash grab at all. But I think it's more of a clinging on to the glory days a little bit.
1: Well, it it came their intention was to not do a, a third version when they put it out on four K. By by all accounts, it's like, okay, we're gonna put this out in four K, we're gonna do it properly. There has never been a remaster that went back to the negative in the same way that they did with Godfather when they did the the Coppola restorations there. He's like, it's, it's about time I do that with Apocalypse Now. It's the 40th anniversary. It's time. And in restoring Redux, he, I'm trying, I can't, I don't want to, I'm going to paraphrase him, but he was talking about how it, it, Redux does go too far. And so, and theatrical doesn't go far enough. And so, just finding, after all these years being able to find that middle ground, I can understand why that is necessary and why that might be cathartic. You know, he thought he did the right thing when he did Redux, throwing everything back in. But again, he's had another 20 years to look at Redux as well and go, okay, well, that maybe wasn't the right decision either. But I think I found a version truest to what I originally wanted to put out in 79 and was hindered by whatever reason. Sure, sure. But I, I understand that there's a... Star Wars is the biggest offender of that. You know, When is it when is it not yours anymore? Yeah. When, is, when does it belong to the people? And that particular version that people have grown up with or the version that they love the most, all that matters to me really is that if you're going to do multiple versions, at least offer all of those versions, which is what's so brilliant about Blade Runner. Every time Blade Runner has been put out, it's been put out with all versions. So sure. you get to have... Everything you get to have your favorite version. You can take the time to sit down and analyze them and discover why this was removed or why this was left in. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. It's a great the, that Blade Runner set is an awesome film course. Yeah, when it comes to editing. Yeah, I
0: and another good example of a movie that changed quite dramatically. You know, with the the VO, but um, it's funny now. that you mentioned that. You know, I I know one of my one of my favorite movies is uh, Amadeus, and the Blu Ray I have is only the director's cut and that's pretty much accepted
1: as the only version at this
0: point which sucks because you you're I mean you're absolutely right if if there's going to be a different an altered version of the movie put out there it should come with any version that existed so if if there's the theatrical cut and somebody's going back and making this definitive director's cut or whatever then then we need to have both we should be allowed to have both on the same
1: but Am- Amadeus and the other one that I would say where that is maybe not necessary is Zodiac because the difference between the director's cut and the theatrical is literally like a minute. Sure, yeah. Um, the, the the best case uh, that I can think of is uh, Dances with Wolves because the difference between the theatrical and the director's is about an hour. Yeah, it's long. And they're the only version that I have seen on home media is... Uh, steel book that came out exclusively to Zavia, a UK retailer that has both versions of it. Otherwise you're, you're left to choose. You have to choose theatrical or yeah. director's cut, or if you want to double dip, I mean, that's, that's your Sure. Choice. That's up to you. Although God, why would you have two copies
0: of Dances with Wolves? Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, man. One is too much, if I'm being honest. Um, so we have, uh, we've talked about a lot of uh, we've not really talked about Marlon Brando yet. Yes, performances is something that we've kind of left. So let, let's start with Brando, um, only because it's so it's very infamous his his sort of take and and attitude towards everything that happened prior to even coming to the set. Um, and this is this is all right around like Superman 2, right? Or it's not not Superman two, but Superman no, as well. So, this is so before the first,
1: the first Superman. Seventy-eight. They shot that in seventy. So he shot Superman after he shot. Yeah, that yes. Apocalypse now. the Apocalypse now went two hundred and thirty-eight days between like the middle of seventy-six up until like the middle of seventy-seven with yeah. you know various breaks and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I had this thought and I, <laughs> I wrote it down because I was
0: I was curious. When did Marlon Brando just fucking go off of his rocker? Because he seemed to be there. For, for Godfather, it, it seems like, but then
1: just like it, it I don't well he's he's allowed he he's made last he's made last tango, which I fucking hate about the same time that he makes Godfather. And for me, that's the beginning of the end because he was allowed too much freedom, yeah, on last Tango to a very detrimental way, whereas I think he managed to bring it back with Apocalypse and he was, you could say, allowed too much freedom, but in this case, it paid off. And you can call this another instance of Coppola rewriting history, but for what he was saying, Brando wasn't difficult to work with. He, he talks about having the most, a, a lot of love and respect and him and how he was a great collaborator. Okay. He just wasn't sure what he wanted to do with the character once he got to say, yeah, it's kind of shitty that he lied about not having oh, it's, read the book. It's not just kind of shitty. It's, kind it, of, it's a lot shitty. You're right, and showing up you know underprepared
0: overweight it, it's all of those things but to what What was his he had was
1: it a week what was his he was he, he was, had brando for three weeks three weeks okay so and they spent the first week just rehearsing and hashing out the character and that's that is
0: that's that is horseshit to me if you're if you if you are gonna and i, I get it he's brando he's he's the method guy at that point he's maybe the most famous and best actor in film history you know that's that's debatable i'm not saying that you know that that is you know but it's i mean streetcar and on the waterfront and godfather i mean he's got he's got the background the pedigree he absolutely does but
1: if you're demanding so much money so much of it up front yeah so it was 3 million it was at the time it was going to be the most that any actor had been paid and he was yes so he was getting a million of it up front yeah and so if, if that's the case
0: and then you are going to come to the set overweight, not prepared, not really knowing what you're doing. And you're going to spend one week of that. You basically got paid a million dollars to talk about your character. That's, that's fucked up. And then I, and I'm so glad I watched the, the Hearts of Darkness, um, not just because it's in the book, but to, to see. There's, there's, there's a clip of him saying just whatever the fuck is coming into his mind. And I love he goes, I don't have any other lines today if you need
1: more you can get another actor i it just was it, it was just so it was <laughs> it is it is a very it, it's a very telling episode in the, in the idea of an actor's ego that he was allowed to get away with so much and i yeah i i don't necessarily agree that he should have been allowed to get away with everything that he did but i think in this case as opposed to last tango in this case it it paid off in spades it is the last great Marlon Brando performance. Not the greatest, can you, can you, not the greatest, but the last but can you, so great tell Brando.
0: Me, tell me why it's great. That's what I want to know. Is why is that a great performance? Oh, well, I, how am I supposed to debate this with you? You, I mean, you're an actor. No, that that has nothing to do with it. I want to know. I want to know why you think it's a great performance. Because, and I'm not. I mean, aside from what I just said about his preparedness being out the fucking window and being given. All the room to do pretty much whatever the fuck he wanted to. I, I, what ends up on the screen? I want to know why that's so that's so good because what it seems like to me is he was given free reign to say what he wanted to. Like I I, I know that the um you're an errand boy, you know you know sent to get to to collect the bill. I get that he improved that line and sure that's that's a pretty good line. I'm not gonna say that it wasn't, but I wonder. I I, I would be curious to see every every inch of footage
1: of the shit that he just said and see who, who edited the movie. Uh, a couple of different people. You've got uh, Walter Murch, did yeah. both editing of sound and film. And then you also have um, Lisa Fruchtman and Gerald B. Greenberg. Yeah. Um, th- they get a lot of credit for this fucking movie because well, they had a million, they had 1.25 million feet of film to, to work with.
0: I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's insane. Like just, you know, the, the, the performance they had to basically put together, you know, and this is, I think this is a great example of somebody giving a mediocre performance edited in a way that goes, Oh, wow. Okay. Cause I think a lot of it too is the way that we're introduced to him because I, I was like when he's kind of in and out of the darkness, when we
1: first see him, that's part of why I think it's, he knows that that's a, that's a great skill is being able to, to know how, be completely aware of your, you might think that he's just improvising and doesn't give a shit, but he's completely aware of his surroundings. He is able to play with light so well, and knowing how, Coppola talked about how sensitive he was about his weight, and so that's why they, part of, one of the reasons why yes. they shot him the way they did, and they also Shot him to make him look because he was he was no taller than you or me. We're both about 5'10", 5'11", right? About they there, shot yeah. him. They shot him to look like he was like yeah, six like four, a, a mountain, yeah, right, yeah. and big, and so that would justify his girth. Yeah, because if you shoot him to make him look bigger, I, the way he plays with light is incredible, and that shot is actually my favorite shot in the yeah. whole film. Is we have on the the right hand side of the screen we have, uh, the shadow, of Martin Sheen's head, and then we have. Brando coming in and out of the light and washing his head and you know the seeing the water drip off of his bald head. So part of his part of his his playing with light is what makes it a great performance with me. The other thing is is yeah you can you can give the editing all the credit you want but he was still there on set reading these lines and the speech about the the inoculated arms that is just it's genius to me. That is one of the, the most brilliant maddening and just flat-out insane things that I think anyone has ever heard in a movie. And I don't know whether Coppola wrote that particular bit or, or who wrote it or whoever wrote it. It's, it's genius. It's true. And the way he delivers it, I believe his madness. I believe that he's gone so far, and I believe it when Sheen says, even the jungle was wanting me to do it. Everyone wanted him dead. Him most of all. Yeah. He was waiting for me up there to take the pain away. I S- I believe
0: that. Okay. Can, and can sorry. I don't mean to not talk about performances, but you bring up something that I I, I have to ask about now. Is it, this idea that that Kurtz wanted to die? Is that why it was so easy for Willard to do it? Because I remember we get to the moment where they're slaughtering the water buffalo, as they're also um, as
1: he's going to finish off Kurtz. I think Kurtz knew it was inevitable. Uh, which, what, if, it was, if it wasn't going to be Willard, it would be somebody else. I just, I don't know. I, I found that moment to be really... That that he gives up?
0: Yeah, I didn't, I, it seemed, I don't know. It just seemed, I, I didn't know if, if Kurtz was really, if that was Kurtz giving up or Willard just...
1: Being very sneaky or what the fuck it was. But I I found myself... I think you can say it's a combination of the two. There's nothing wrong with that. But I I think Kurtz knew that this is it. He knew that his time was up. There was no way that this lifestyle was going to be able to sustain itself any longer. He'd already had luck converting Colby to his cause. I, I, I don't... I think he knew Willard enough to know. I think he knows the moment he meets Willard is this is the man that will kill me. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah, um, so
0: I think I I think Martin Sheen is my unsung hero of this movie because I think everybody talks about Brando and everybody talks about Duvall and he gets the iconic I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning and then of course there's the history with Coppola and the the shit show that was the you know the making of this film and the reaction to this film and all that but man. You said it best. He didn't have to come back to the set after a heart attack and he did. And I think he is fantastic in this movie. And. Oh, he definitely deserves more credit than I think he's gotten over the years. Yes, exactly. And, and that scene where he fucking is hammered
1: and uh, punches the goddamn mirror and he's he's fucking all, he's just, you know, he's out of it. That's what Liz did. I'm not going to say that Liz liked seeing that in the documentary, but just the B-roll. Yeah. Stuff of him just because it, It is his birthday and he is fucking wasted. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's in there, but I have read somewhere that he, after he punches the glass and actually cuts his hand open, supposedly he said to Coppola, if you call cut, I'll fucking kill you. Oh yeah. I don't know if he said that, but I, he, I know he was insistent upon
0: not cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a small thing, this just trivia related that I really liked is uh, for legal reasons, they
1: had to actually get Apocalypse Now somewhere in the movie. Otherwise, otherwise they couldn't yeah they couldn't copyright it yeah. without the title being there somewhere and so when it's scrawled in yeah. that white paint over yeah. the the brick mm-hmm. our motto apocalypse now and yeah it's, it's great yeah I, and i told melissa i go
0: before the movie started because i never thought about that i'd never because it just starts yeah, it, yeah yeah and and so i told her beforehand i go so we, let's keep an eye out for it because i i didn't i didn't i specifically didn't read where it was and she spotted it before me i was like damn it i wanted to get that first but yeah i thought that was a, a fun little thing about it um I still have a thing I want to say, but but it's 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 more. It seems like something later, like for the end of it. So yeah, absolutely. I don't know where where you want to go. Well, at, I mean, at, have at, we at,
1: have we hit any other point? Have we not hit any other points you'd like to?
0: Um, I, you know, I don't. This is tough, but I the um, I I think my I think my favorite I think my favorite shot of this movie is, the when they're they're it's 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 the it's the the ride of the Valkyries, but it's it's the um. The treeline bombing, just just the the way that it was shot and everything, and and the helicopters going in, and just how dynamic
1: that is. And yeah, it's incredible to me watching it, especially now in four K, in the best it's ever looked. To just go, they did this. Yeah. Just to sit back and bask in it's, the. It's they really did impressive. This. None of this is fake.
0: Yeah, and None and of it. so surprising every time I've seen this movie. So surprising when the 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 Vietnamese woman throws the grenade oh, into the, the helicopter. Yeah. It every, t- I, and this time again, I was like, it, it surprised the hell out of me. And I, I was, remember I jumped, I was like, Oh shit. And then it happens like, Oh my God. I, f- I totally forgot. That was a moment in the movie. I just yep. totally spaced it.
1: And I have, I've mentioned a, a favorite, but I have so many favorites. As I said at the beginning or towards the beginning of the episode, there's no single shot you can't frame in this film. Another yeah. one is just a very simple one of them. It's sunset, and they're cutting through the water, and the water just looks like glass mm-hmm. in the way they're cutting through it. That's a great one. Um, and he,
0: and even, the, even the overly iconic ones, because they're iconic for a reason, him. His head coming uh, up
1: yep. out of the water and mm-hmm. the lightning. Um, there's another Oh, going under the tail. Of the B-52. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. another incredible one. And that's actually part of a scene where the full scene isn't in any version. But there's a, a, another sampan coming towards them, another one of those boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's crude. It, there's just monkeys on it. Everybody on it is dead. There's like a guy who's flayed and tied to, you know, part of the ship. And one of the characters, I don't know if it's it's Chef, says, that's coming from where we've got to go just to add that little bit more gravity you know, yeah. and that little bit more madness to the, to the sequence. I, not, again, a moment not entirely, not entirely necessary. So the final cut scene to, to round out our conversation about different versions yeah. is the, uh, the scene that is not in theatrical, not in final, but is in redux is the, it's been known as the homework scene. So Kurtz has got, the, you imagine this is the second or third day. We have no idea how long Willard is really there. He says, "I've cooped up in there with him for weeks." Is it really weeks, or does he? It it doesn't feel like a track of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's in the the container, and he's like boiling to death in this this cargo container. And Brando, we get to see him fully in the light, and that's that's actually the only thing in Redux that I don't miss in the other two versions. I'm fine with the homework sequence coming out, and he's reading to him from Time magazine, and there's a bunch of just little kids just hanging out. With him. That's, that's the only thing where I'd say I think Coppola made the right decision in removing that from the final cut, even though it's in Redux. That's uh, really the only scene that I don't like in Redux. So, and, and
0: you, I mean, you'll go on record and I, say. I'm that championing Redux re, okay. if you haven't caught, sure. caught yeah. that
1: out. Redux is my favorite version, it is my preferred version just because I, the theatrical has had its balls cut off. And I, I think he did make some great choices with the final cut, moving that one scene around, leaving the plantation intact was maybe not the best idea. I feel like some of it could be trimmed down, Sure, yeah. but I am, it's the same argument I had with Deer Hunter. I'll take the wedding because I get to have all the other stuff. It's the same way I feel about, I'm fine with this, the plantation slowing things down temporarily and giving us this history lesson and getting to have the sequence where, uh, they bury clean to break up the two deaths sure. so that they don't happen so quickly. Yeah, uh, I don't feel like if I take something out of the French plantation wholesale, it's probably the opium scene.
0: Oh dude, I, I've seen the whole, I've seen that whole thing once and yeah. I, I won't even, li- I won't even lie. I fell asleep at some point during it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it quite literally put me to sleep. Yeah. Well, we don't at the dinner table. We don't need everybody. Everybody gets to have their say around the table. Yes, yeah, right. This yeah. terrible racist metaphor that happens where one of the guys breaks open the egg and says, "Look, it's very telling of what's happening." The white goes and the yellow stays. Like that. That's something I would I would chop out. But I, yeah. as, I think I made a strong enough case for for leaving it in, but just in a truncated version. Sure. So I want to bring something up.
0: Because. So when we, when we did The Deer Hunter, not too long ago now, you know, I mean, well, maybe it is long ago now, I don't know. We've done a bunch yeah, of these. Yeah,
1: we, well, we did that for
0: Oscar season, so that's like yeah. February, March. So we watched Deer Hunter, and, uh, you know, looking up the stats as we, as we do, it was interesting to see, you know, that another film that year coming home won uh, three Academy Awards, and they were all pretty big ones, actor, actress, and screenplay. And I had heard of this movie, but I had never seen it. And so I, I tried to go out of my way to watch it because I wanted to know, because I, I have, you know, mixed feelings to say the least about the deer hunter. And so I watched it. I watched coming home not too long ago. And, and then I, you know, obviously getting doing all the research to know that apocalypse now came out the year after and was at that Academy Awards. And then obviously apocalypse now lost to Kramer versus Kramer. And so, all of this uh, is—it's really interesting to to kind of look back and do like a little, you know, a post mortem on these two years at the Academy Awards, because well, and this kind of trifecta of Vietnam films. Exactly, yeah, and and you know, I won't get into—I'm not going to get into much about Coming Home, or uh, Kramer versus Kramer, because I think at least Kramer versus Kramer is in the book. I don't know if Coming Home is. Um, I don't believe Coming Home is, but Kramer is. Yeah, and so really, what I want to what I want to say is that i get why the deer hunter won best picture the year that it came out um i think that the the scenes that work really well and that are very memorable are very uh, poignant and and mesmerizing and and bizarre and i think that you know you've got a lot of star power in that and you know christopher walken and de niro and, and, and those scenes together are are great they're fantastic I think coming home is, uh, it's not as showy of a picture. It's, it's just not, it's, it's all, and it's all the aftermath of Vietnam. Well, and that's, that's kind of
1: Hal Ashby's filmography, right? It, it's exactly. Just not very showy.
0: Yes. But man, there are a couple of scenes in coming home that are re- really good, really good. And it's not surprising to me that John Voight and Jane Fonda won their Oscars for that. Um, they're both, they're both fantastic in the movie. And I went back and I looked, yeah, and that was, um, uh, that, that was a Hal Ashby uh, directed film where actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress all all nominated in that movie. Um, but the last scene of the movie is kind of a little montage of three things going on with uh, John Voigt, Jane Fonda and um, uh, Bruce Dern, who plays who's Jane Fonda's husband in the movie. And it's it's really cathartic and it's really great. And. John Voight is giving a speech to a bunch of kids who are potentially interested in, in joining the army. And one guy who is actively in the army, very you know pro pro military gets to, gets to speak. And then John Voight gets to go up there and man, it, it's, it's such an underrated speech that probably not a lot of people know. And it's really good. It's really, really fucking good, but I get why it lost. And then apocalypse now comes out the year after. And again, we've got this, more traditional war movie where they're in the they're in the shit. You know what I mean? And I and I I'm not trying to denigrate either Deer Hunter or Apocalypse now, but those are both war movies where they're there and they're dealing with it versus Coming Home where it's after. Anyways, so you know, putting Apocalypse now up against Kramer versus Kramer, I'm and and, and I haven't said a lot of great things about Apocalypse now during this this podcast, but I am pretty baffled that it didn't win. And I enjoy the performances in Kramer versus Kramer. Now, Meryl Streep, her character is totally underwritten. It's not even funny. And um, it's very skewed to make you feel a certain way. Like, it, it is very emotionally that's, manipulative. That's
1: what I was going to say. That's what I remember of it.
0: But I just think it's really interesting when we get to a year where it's like, can we give it to another Vietnam War movie the year after and just the way that we kind of, you know, the politics of, of the Oscars and stuff. And I don't know. I, I just wanted to uh, uh, put that out there that it was just just these four films and this weird short chunk of film history and, and how the, the Oscars don't mean anything really. Uh, but just, you know, the way that that kind of creeps into the, uh, the politics of it, because um, you know, personally, I, I think they, I think seventy-eight and seventy, I think they got it wrong,
1: in my in my opinion. But So coming home winning picture, apocalypse winning picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think in that way, in that world, in that in that world, I think you get the you get the movie that deals with the after of the aftermath of Vietnam and then the movie that deals with the being in Vietnam. So you kind of get the both sides of it. But and I wonder again, in, in another world, if coming home wins best picture, because Apocalypse now is a you know, totally different. And I get that D- Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now are different. I'm not an idiot, but similar, more similar than coming home with either of those movies. So, weird tangent, but no, I, I mean it's I needed, relevant because I we're still talking to bring it up. about yeah. Vietnam. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think uh, I think there's something that gets that gets lost in discussions of Apocalypse as far as what it does to try and look at the war on a sort of macro scale because it is supposed to be such a personal tale of Willard going up this river to, to, to kill another American. Mm-hmm. And part of, I think, a lot of your, your problems with it, it, does this belong in this movie, is wanting to stay with the personal aspect of it and not so much focus on the macro. And, and I think Coppola presented himself with a, with a Herculean sort of task, trying to manage the micro and the macro that has to take place within this story. Which is probably why I assume there are so many people that not just because it's the version they saw first and the version they grow up with, but do prefer the theatrical because it gets about those points quicker.
0: Sure, yeah,
1: hard to disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's nice that we live in a world where we get to pick, you know, one of three now. Yeah, no, that that's that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I I will you ever go out of your way to see Final Cut to see if you. I mean, probably
0: I, I, I can't say you know when, you know, especially with
1: doing this this podcast,, right. you know, having I just wanted to know your... that, that you were open to it to seeing wanting to find out, oh, is this the happy middle ground for me, or do I still feel the same way? No, there is there is um, uh, yeah, hard, hard to say with
0: certainty, like when it would happen, but I will say that there is a curiosity there. I mean and, and if I, if I like the movie, Whatever movie it is, and, I, and there's a there's, there's there's a director's cut. There's always an interest, you know. And I don't like sometimes I don't I don't know if and when I'll get to it, but there is a there is a curiosity there. Now, granted, this is probably going to be about four or five years before I probably get to this movie again, and at that point, I probably would try to watch the the final cut.
1: Well, when you when that does happen, I do recommend splurging for the 4k because i i saw things and i heard things that i'll I probably never... just borrow it from you oh well there is that yeah <laughs> you're more than welcome to uh yeah there's just like i said saw things and heard things i had never seen before in this film even with my 10 or 12 times of having seen it it was just eye-opening at what they did to lovingly restore this film and get it the best that it's ever looked a a great little feature on the on the new set as well is showing how it's looked and how it's sounded across all of its different home media formats starting as far back as the Betamax and the VHS so you get to and it's amazing to me I hope there are people that love this film that haven't just clung to your VHS because if you if that's all you've ever seen, then you've never seen apocalypse. Now, sure, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I could for sentimental reasons, sure, hold on to it, yeah. But don't don't avoid
1: seeing these, uh, you know, the widescreen yeah. surround sound sort of experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm so bummed I didn't get to see it when it was here at Cinerama. Yeah, back last month because that would have been a holy experience, <laughs> right up there with Godfather. Seeing Godfather at Cinerama about 2009 is still the greatest film going experience I've ever had, seconded only my baby seeing Lawrence in seventy. Yeah. 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 That's that's yeah, that's an event for sure. And it's something you don't forget. I mean, I still remember the lights going down and it was a Tuesday afternoon show. Nobody was in there. Everybody was still at work or still commuting. Yeah. It was me and like four other people. And when the lights came down, I was sat dead center behind the projector and the music comes up and Bonacera says I believe in America. Yeah. Yeah, hairs on my arm. I promise you, were stood, all the way up. It was incredible. God, I, I fucking love those movies so much. Do you feel like we did enough talking about the documentary?
0: There are, a, I mean, there are a lot of things I want to bring up about that. I mean, it just you know the. Well, okay, I guess I would just I would I would leave it with how you feel the whole um, sacrificing of the water buffalo went.
1: Well, it's not like it was staged. That is what that
0: is what um, is said though. I mean, there's there seems to be some controversy around whether or not uh, that it
1: was um, it happened in the way that it, it should have. Well, the, well, exactly. They saw them do it, and then they asked them, "The next time you do it, can we film it and include it in the movie?" Yeah. So it's not like oh, we're just going to go out and get a random water buffalo and kill it for the sake of the film. It was no, no, going no. to be killed it was going to be sacrificed anyway.
0: Yes. And, 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 and all of that was very, you know, with, with Eleanor seeing it going back and getting Francis and him being reluctant, but then coming back. And I, I get that that'll happen. I, I just, I, it's, 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 it's tough. Cause I, um, before it happened, I remember I, I had to lean over to Melissa cause I was like, okay, look, I have to let you know that what you're about to see is totally real. So just know that. And then like the first, like the first hit is just so, it's so brutal.
1: Um, uh, she wasn't uh, <laughs> she, she she looked away for for that moment. See, I think I think the scene with the puppy is tougher to watch in the way that Sam Bottoms tries to grab the puppy away from Frederick Forrest. You can tell that that puppy is in distress. Oh yeah, well, that that to me is is far harder to watch than the water buffalo I, I don't sacrificed.
0: Ha- I don't have it in front of me right now, but there is a the Humane Society gave this, what was it? Like a like oh, it's not a rating, but yeah no they did speak out against it oh man i wanted to oh okay i got it right here um the the american humane society the american humane association gave the film an unacceptable rating because of not only because of the water buffalo but also the 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 treatment of the of the puppy right (laughs) um which yeah they you know
1: with the puppy that just sucks you know and then with the water buffalo yeah it's just hard to watch Sam bottoms just Completely used too much force there. Yeah. And that's unfortunate that it was left in the movie and that somebody didn't think to go, can we reshoot this with you not being such a prick <laughs> and on drugs? Because <laughs> um, he was. I mean, he admits to being, in the documentary, admits to being oh, out yeah. of his mind.
0: Well, it seems like most of them were. Right, you know, yeah.
1: that, that's actual grass that they're smoking. And poor Lawrence Fishburne, man. That's, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, he's lucky enough to come back around from it, oh, but yeah, I think yeah. that speaks to the color of... Dennis Hopper's character as just as a human being yeah I mean there's no way you didn't know that Lawrence Fishburne was only 14 or 15 man like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah um and that to me like he he seemed like he was harder to work with than Brando like Brando may have gotten away with murder but Hopper and there's footage in the documentary yeah. of him yep. just what's my motivation And pulling all of that kind of shit, like, man, you're just talking to him about, can you just say the fucking lines, please? Yeah. Like, Coppola, Coppola, in fact, does pull that card. He's like, can you do it because I'm your director? And even then, Hopper still fights him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And coming back around to the water buffalo and the sacrifice there, I think that makes a, a great argument for Coppola's decision to try and change time as the further you go up the river because you get, you know, the history lesson when you get to the plantation, and then when you sure. get to Kurtz's compound, we've gone back even further in time because we're still in a uh, a ritualistic society. Yeah, and that's just another argument for keeping the plantation scene in. Sure, you know, to each their own, I guess. You know, that's right, man. That's why we have three versions. Yeah. Yep. The w- okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've liked this conversation because it's it's revealed to me. That you aren't as big a fan of this movie as I thought you were.
0: No, I'm not. But I do think that this movie should be in the book. There's no, it's, it's for the, for the reasons that are on screen, because it's beautifully shot and there are some great performances in the movie. And, you know, unfortunately for the reasons that are, that are off screen, I do. Um, I don't think the documentary should be in the book.
1: I don't either, because I think if, if you're a big enough fan of the movie, you're going to watch it. Yeah. Anyway, and if you want to know about the history of it, yeah, no, I, I there's no need for the documentary to be in there. I, I, there's I, there's much better documentaries about the making or rather the unmaking of films like Lost in La Mancha, yeah. all the different attempts to to mount uh the man who killed Don Quixote, even um Burden of Dreams about Fitzcarraldo. Mm-hmm. yeah. That I think there's more value in that. Um the one that I would replace Hearts of Darkness. With those, a more recent one is Joe Dorowski's Dune. Mm-hmm. Incredible documentary uh, that really gets to the heart of if this, if this, if if Joe Dorowski had gotten to make Dune, it would have been the greatest science fiction film of all time. Sure. No, I, I, and I'd, I'd, it's, I'd... it's fascinating to see that and just how quickly he was beating everybody else to the punch. I mean, he hired people like Mobius and Geiger. You know, five or six years before Ridley Scott would turn around and do that on Alien, he was crafting shots that put the opening of Star Wars to shame. Yeah. You know, he was so far ahead of the curve. And of course, the the money just wasn't there. Yeah. It, you know, everybody kind of lost faith in it.
0: Yeah. I think when, in terms of thinking of replacements and, and trying to think of documentaries, I, I don't know that I would replace it with any sort of the failed making of necessarily. Um, but I would, I would. Uh, probably, rec- I would probably, th- in terms of kind of keeping with the film aspect of it, I would probably replace it with Life Itself, uh, the Roger Ebert documentary. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it, and it's it, especially since it's so much about it's about film criticism, and I I loved seeing how contentious they were, Siskel and Ebert uh, when they first started, because they fucking they did not like each other when they first started the show, and I I actually like seeing their relationship progress, and and I think Ebert. For, for better or worse was really the, the film critic that you knew for the longest time, you know, you just, what, what, what did Ebert say about it? You know, that was sort of the go-to critic and, uh, and I think it's well-made and it's, it's good. And, and you know, that would be my replacement because I, you know, I, I as, as much as I enjoyed watching hearts of darkness for, I mean, especially for something like this, like I would have watched it anyway as research yeah, exactly. for this. Exactly. So yeah, I, I agree. Um, but that's definitely a yes for Apocalypse Now. And and for whatever version you prefer, it doesn't matter. Apocalypse Now does deserve to be in the book. No doubt about it. Um that and that's what we think, but we would love to hear what you think. So you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at a thousand one by one. You can support the show at patreon.com slash a thousand one by one. You can listen to us on Stitcher google play apple Podcasts, spotify and on podomatic which is where we launched the show through
1: um ian do you have any uh, little final thoughts before we leave uh no just thank you for indulging in this discussion with apocalypse now with me and thank you to uh Whoever is listening, and uh, welcome to season two. Yes, I was just going to say, welcome to season two. This might be a
0: two-parter. We'll figure that out later. And uh, next week, get ready for a completely different change of pace in terms of what we're talking about. Uh, Yeah, we're going full 180. (laughs) (laughs) And until then, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you
1: next week.